Our scripture reading today is found in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. We'd encourage everyone to follow along for the reading of God's word. If you'd like to use a pew Bible, you'll find one near you, and you can turn to page 1012 in a pew Bible. Please stand for the reading of God's word. The book of James, chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray together. Lord, now we would ask that you would enable us in these moments to focus upon you, upon your word, upon you, what you have said to us about things we say to you and to one another. And so we pray for this, asking that the Lord Jesus would be glorified, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. There, there is a great power in words that we use. Um, and this is practically right out of the news. I'm, I mean this to be completely nonpartisan. If it reminds you of anything, uh, in terms of reporting of things, just to, to illustrate, I'm going to give you three statements, and, I, and I'm only going to change one word, and I want you to see how very different these statements come across. On the witness stand, the congressman said he had indeed made the statement 
On the witness stand, the congressman admitted he had indeed made the statement. On the witness stand, the congressman confessed he had indeed made the statement. Do you see how very different those come across? Each one progressively, one sounds uh, very neutral, and uh, the next two make it, it sound more and more like there's some kind of a guilt involved with this statement. Today we're going to close out our series in, in the book of Proverbs, and we're going to talk about what it, what it says about our use of words. And on this subject, I, I want to first clarify and then caution before we actually get into uh, the Proverbs. And you can go ahead and turn to the book of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 6. But here's the, the clarification. I am not talking about this because of particular problems in the church. If I were visiting a church and the pastor stood up and, and all of a sudden he's going all the way through Proverbs and, and talking about the dangers of, you know, of things like gossip and this, this and that, I, I would in my own mind wonder, hmm, I wonder if that's a problem here. But I have to tell you that... Uh, um, that's not, first of all, how I choose messages that I'm going to preach. But further, I planned this series in early 2019. And I chose 11 subjects that I was going to hit in the book of Proverbs, and this was one of them. And so that's the clarification. But here's the caution as we go through these various Proverbs. The caution is, do not let Satan trick you into applying these Proverbs to other people. Every time you start thinking, Boy, you know, that sounds like so-and-so. Or I see you looking around to see if so-and-so is here. I hope they're here today because they could really use this. Every time, if it happens to you, your mind starts going in that direction. Ask God to show you how it applies to you to what degree, and in what way does this apply to me, Lord? I've done that all week with these statements. I use a lot of words in my vocation. And these, these statements, both the negative ones and the positive, have been most helpful in terms of reminders of what God is concerned with. So let's take a look, first of all, at uh, some of the dangers of a wrong 
use of words. If you turn to Proverbs 6, and what I'm going to do is we're going we're gonna to look at the dangers of a wrong use of words, then look at the, the positive of, of a right use of words, and rather than, than uh, jump around, I'm going to just kind of take you through in order so it'll be easier and, and quicker to be able to, to turn to them. So in Proverbs 6, verse 16, it says this, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. And then it lists those things. And down in verse 19, here is one of those, a false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among brothers. He hates it. God hates a wrong use of words. Do you know how rumors get started? H.A. Ironside used to tell a story where he had read an article in a church bulletin in a church that he was visiting. And in uh, that, the pastor explained that he had been greatly troubled by a rumor going around to the effect that his wife had attended a meeting of some heretical group and that he had gone there in great indignation and he had dragged her out by her hair and he brought her home and he beat her. Now he undertook to, uh, to explain that he had not dragged his wife out of that meeting, that he had never at any time dragged her about by the hair, that he had never beaten her, also that his wife had never attended that meeting, and finally, that he was a bachelor and never had a wife. <laughs> That's how rumors get started, and they tend to get carried, and they get out of hand. James says this in James 1.26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. says, you, you want to say you're a Christian? If you don't bridle your tongue, your religion is not doing you any good. It's worthless. So why is it that God hates a wrong use of words? We're, let's go through a list of some of the things. If you uh, go to Proverbs 11, Proverbs 11, verse 9. Proverbs 11, verse 9 says, With his mouth the godless man would destroy his neighbor. Proverbs 11, verse 13, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing 
covered. God hates the wrong use of words because words have the power to destroy, not just hurt, destroy. Ship's first mate had been on a a drunken binge and he was written up by uh, the captain and the captain uh, said this, mate drunk today. The mate, the mate later in the log wrote this out of revenge. Captain sober today. They can destroy. Now, I'm going to say something to you about what, well, I'll say my mother said to me, and I'll bet your mother and or grandmother said this to you as well. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but well, that's contrary to Scripture. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I might have said it to my children at some point. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. But the reality from the Scripture is, you know what, bruises and cuts, those, those will heal up. But God says, words can destroy. That's how serious it is. To, to the point where he says, I hate it when that happens. And, and if you're saying you're a believer, you're a follower, and you don't bridle your tongue, it's not doing you any good at that point. Let's go further. Uh, Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16 and verse 28. Sixteen twenty-eight. A dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. Now you may say, uh, and, and, and here's, here's the point we're making is that, that gossip messes up things. <laughs> That's the most sophisticated I could put it, sorry. Gossip just messes up stuff. And you may say, well, where, where do you get that? Well, that word that's translated in the English Standard Version, whisperer, uh, if you look in the New International Version, it says a gossip. And that's, that's the meaning of it. We, just, we don't use that term, a whisperer, in, in our day. That's a good translation, but uh, what it means is a gossip. Um, boy, I, I remember, and a lot of you, I'm sure, remember uh, the old telephone prayer chains. <laughs> Do you remember those? I'm so glad we don't have those anymore. Uh, that what we do is we send something out from the office. Everybody gets it at the same time. They can read it. And that doesn't, that doesn't mean you can't still gossip. But, but the old prayer chains, we would, uh, what we would do just to make sure is we would have the last person on the chain 
call the church office and repeat the, what, what the, the prayer request was. And it was amazing <laughs> how seldom it was the, the one that we gave to the first person. How different it often was. And that's the danger of, of passing things along in that way. And, and that was people that wanted to pray for each other. And people with good hearts. And yet, that shows how easy things can change. Look in Proverbs 17, verse seven, uh, chapter 17 and verse 9. We see how repeating a bad report uh, can hurt others like we're talking about. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Now the implication is repeating a matter in a wrong way. I came across uh, this in uh, one of my files, and it's called A Carrier of Bad Reports. And I, I just want to tell you up front, I, I don't know where it came from. Uh, in fact, at the bottom, it said source unknown, and I, I couldn't find the source. So if you find it, let me know. I'm glad to give them credit. I did not write this, but I think there are some, some helpful things here. What do you do? Uh, in terms of uh, rece receiving a bad report or if you meet up with a carrier of bad reports. Um, let, me, let me just read them to you. Uh, number one, they will usually test your spirit before giving you the evil report. Any evidence of a compatible spirit in you will encourage him to give you the report. So listen, it, I have had people come to me and often with bad reports. And this I'm not saying here, but in, during my ministry. And sometimes it's kind of the same person as always. And, and if, if, you, if you say, well, how come you're always hearing these things? Usually the answer is, well, I guess I'm just a good listener. But I think this actually explains it. People know who will accept a bad report and, and pass it on or get it to where they actually want it to go. They might test your spirit. Number two, a carrier will usually check your acceptance of his report before giving it to you. He may do this by asking you for an opinion about the person or dropping a negative comment and observing your response to it. Number three, a carrier will often get you to ask for the evil report by creating curiosity for it. Some starters are, have you heard about blank? Number four, a carrier may communicate an evil report by asking for counsel or sharing a concern for the person involved. We need to pray for blank. That sound familiar? Number five, a carrier may use evil reports to get you to admire him or her because of being on the inside, having access to privileged information. Number six, a carrier is usually one who evokes vivid details of evil and will even search them out and God condemns that. Gossip is, is saying behind a person's back what you don't say to their face. 
and flattery is saying to their face what you're not going to say behind their back. God condemns those. And by the way, for you who are in community groups, there are uh, some questions to ask a carrier uh, in, in question number five. Any of you can use that as a resource. I think they're, they're helpful. Turn to uh, Proverbs 20. Proverbs 20, verse 19. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. Talking too much leads to issues. Are, are you one of those people that, that will say mid-sentence, oh, you know, I, I know I talk too much. And then you say, but, and then you keep talking. Scripture calls that a simple babbler. Now look, God gave some people a lot more words than others. And it doesn't have to be a bad thing. In fact, we're going to look at at the good way words can be used. But these are cautions, especially for those who God has given a lot of words Well, let's look at uh, the beauty of the good use of words. Uh, Go back now earlier in Proverbs to Proverbs 10. Verse 21, just the first part. The lips of the righteous feed many. Isn't that a great statement? Contrast that with, with... with bad statements, bad use of words. God hates it. It's an abomination. And he said, but, but over here, the good use of words, it's like feeding. It's nourishing. We'll see some other descriptions. In Proverbs 12, verse 14, and we're just going to hit some of these quickly. We see the good words are satisfying from the fruit of his mouth. A man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. See, it's a beautiful thing when words are used well. Proverbs 12, verse 18 there's one whose rash words are like, a, like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. What it's saying is good words promote healing. So the root of the word translated here, healing, speaks of a a stilling or a calming or a soothing. And that's in contrast with the thrusting of a sword, which is a bad use of words. So in essence, here it is. the, The sword, a bad use of words, the sword creates a wound, and and good words heal up wounds. They help heal up those things 
that are causing hurt in others. Proverbs 16, verse 24. 1624, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. You see how positive everything is about a a good use of words. And then Paul, back, I'll just read you from Ephesians 4, verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. In Proverbs 15, Proverbs 15, verse 1, tells us how good words can turn away anger. A, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now, from the very beginning of Proverbs, we talked about how these are not promises, These are things that God tells us that are are wisdom from him that are are usually the case. So if you you want to say, well, I I tried that one time and I got punched in the nose over it. Well, what it's saying is that, that almost always, usually, if you give a soft answer, it's going to do better than a harsh word right back at somebody, which is going to escalate things. Look at, in the same chapter, 15, verse 7, the lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. It's useful for instruction. Maybe you've heard uh, the quote, preach the gospel at all times, Use words if necessary. Now the idea is that we need to preach the gospel with the way we act and so on. And this is almost always attributed to Francis of Assisi. And as I researched it, it's almost um, uh, unanimous that he did not say that. But it doesn't really matter. It's still a saying uh, in fact, Francis of Assisi was, was known not for his, just his good life, but for his preaching. He was a preacher, and he preached everywhere he, he could. He always used words. So here's how I would change that. Preach the gospel at all times. Words are necessary. In other words, if all you do is, is show a good life in front of people, they'll never get it. They'll never know why. They'll never see Jesus. Words are absolutely necessary and here in terms of instruction. Also uh, in chapter 15, verse 23, we see the positive effect on the speaker himself. Uh, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season, how good it is. Proverbs 15, verse 30, it's good for us. The the light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and good news refreshes the bones. Speak positively. 
and then remain silent rather than be negative. Now, here's where we'll go back to my mom and, and your mom and grandmother. I'm going to let you finish this again. If you can't say something uh, good about somebody, don't say... We all had the same moms, didn't we? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a proverb, and, and that one I actually would affirm. I, I think it fits. There's a time where it's just simply better to be silent. Proverbs 25, verse 11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. And then in chapter 16, verse 13, it talks about how truth-telling is actually good for a nation. Righteous lips are the delight of a king, and he loves him who speaks what is right. A nation's going to be better if it's people or truth-tellers. And then further in chapter 16, verse 23, it actually reveals the heart. The heart of the wise man makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. What's in our heart will come out in our words I read about uh, Mrs. Dwight Morrow, who was uh, giving a high tea for uh, J.P. Morgan. And uh, her husband was working for him, and she wanted to do it right. J.P. Morgan was a very rich and powerful man and so on. And the Morrows had some little girls, and, and uh, one of them, named Anne, was very verbal about how she felt. She always blurted out whatever she thought. Uh, I think all of us have at least one child like that if you have children. Uh, so Mrs. Morrow was petrified that Anne would look up at J.P. Morgan's nose, which was an extra large size nose, and that she would say something about it. So she called Anne in, and she said, now, when Mr. Morgan is here, uh, you know, she filled her in on what was proper, don't say this, and, you know, just, just greet him, and, and then you can leave. And, uh, you know, look, I know Mr. Morgan has a, a, a big nose, but don't say anything about it, okay? That would not be nice. Uh, we've all done something like that, I think. Uh, so the time came uh, when uh, Mr. Morgan was there, and they were getting ready to have tea, and Anne's eyes just fixed on his nose, and, and uh, her mother was just mortified. But she said nothing. She just curtsied, and, and she, she left. And Mrs. Morrow, you know, she's fanning herself by now. She turned to uh, Mr. Morgan and said, uh, and now, Mr. Morgan, will you have cream or lemon in your nose? What's in the heart <laughs> will come out. 
What's inside will come out. Jesus said it. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, Jesus said. So a couple of quick applications. One is Proverbs 26.20. It says, for lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there's no whisper, no gossip, quarreling ceases. Don't provide fuel for negative talk. And the fire will go out. It will stop. You be the one to break the pattern of gossip by not receiving it, by not passing it on, by not being willing to hear it. It will stop. And then listen to Jesus. He said this in, in Matthew 12. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance, here's the context for that, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then he goes on and says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you'll be justified, by your words you'll be condemned. We're not saved by that. But it shows what's really in our heart. What's in our heart will come out. Our speech shows our true colors. And so, I want us all to reflect on two questions. What has God's word said to me about my words? And secondly, who has God prompted me to speak to? Because there is someone here that God could use you and your words to encourage, to heal, to bless. May God give us words of encouragement, words of grace for someone even here today. Let's pray together. Lord, even as we sang earlier, would you take our words and would you help, help us by your Holy Spirit to restrain words that would hurt and be the, the thrust of a sword and help us to use words aptly spoken that will be beautiful because of Christ in those words. And we pray it in his precious name. Amen.